0: Canada has allowed medical assistance in dying for more than five years now, but the issue has remained charged as the law continues to change. An increase in requests for the practice means providers are stretched thin and there's ongoing debate around expanding MAID to include mental illnesses. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post health reporter Sharon Kirke joins me to discuss why there's a growing backlog of made patients, the debate over expanding the practice, and why there's controversy over whether doctors should be bringing it up before patients do. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Sharon, one of the most controversial issues in Canada in 2022 was medical assistance in dying. And we can get into some of those controversies momentarily, but heading into this year, obviously MAID has been around for a few years in Canada. How had MAID grown from when it was first introduced and who was eligible?
1: Well, when it was first introduced, MAID was limited to people with you know, a serious and incurable illness or disease. They, and they had to be in an Advanced state of decline. So their natural death had to be reasonably foreseeable was the criteria. And the condition had to be causing them, you know, intolerable physical or, or psychological suffering. And so that criteria really, you know, influenced and restricted who could have access to MAID. Um, and then last year, Bill C seven was passed and that's a federal law and that expanded MAID to more people. And, and that bill was in response to a Quebec court decision where um, lawyers for Jean Truchon and Nicole Gladieux, they successfully argued that, you know, that reasonably foreseeable natural death requirement was was overly strict. Um, Mr. Truchon had, I believe, severe cerebral palsy, and he actually died by assisted death in 2020. So Bill C-7 was passed, and that extended made to people whose natural death isn't reasonably foreseeable, but who are experiencing, you know, irremediable suffering from an underlying medical condition. And the plan was to extend assisted death to people whose sole underlying condition is a mental illness starting next March.
0: And when you look at, you know, how how MAID is offered in the country, how many doctors have been providing MAID in Canada? And how has demand for the service Changed since it was first introduced in 2016.
1: Well, the last time I looked at the figures, it was just over just over 1,500 doctors and nurse practitioners, um, though mostly doctors, um, providing made in Canada in 2021, and that was up from you know just roughly 1,300 or so doctors in 2020. So you know about a 17 percent increase from one year to the next. The problem is that the number of people granted MAID rose by twice that amount, like 32% over the same period. So, you know, a far bigger increase in people seeking MAID than the people, you know, willing to provide it. And you know, some of the doctors who were the first to start providing MAID have have either retired or they've moved, you know, onto other things. And some doctors just got burnt out from the pandemic, right? They just stopped doing MAID because it was really considered an add-on to to their workload and it's it, it's not a simple process you know it requires um assessments and and procedures and it just became too much for them so they they've just stopped
0: and so what does that mean for patients who are seeking medically assisted death? Are, are people able to access it where they live? Do they have to go elsewhere? Do they face longer waits and potentially, especially in their view, more suffering from the conditions that, that are forcing them to seek this treatment?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, back in the late fall, some regions were experiencing you know really high numbers of new referrals by the short of doctors willing to assess them or you know provide the actual lethal injection. Um, we heard the same thing in Manitoba, you know, longer wait times in Ontario. There were these reports of people you know having to go to centers outside of their own cities or communities for need, especially those those living you know outside the bigger cities. So there was a concern that the sort of shortage of of willing providers was in fact extending their suffering and making it harder for people to access need
0: and so you know as as you said there are, there are doctors who are are stepping away from providing it or they're feeling burnt out. Are there are there other doctors waiting in the wings to step in to help with the backlog? Or because this is kind of a, you know, for many it's a morally charged practice, have have we kind of maxed out for now at the number of providers that the Canada's gonna have providing MAID?
1: Well, you know, there are efforts um to try to encourage more doctors to sign on to help the the Association of Maid Providers and Assessors in Canada. They're holding these you know, these confidential webinars and their networking sessions. But it's like you said, you know, the the expansion of MAID to people who aren't terminal, you know, who aren't already dying has made it really more morally charged for some doctors. You know, some have said to me, this isn't what I signed on for. You know, it doesn't mean that they're abandoning MAID, but just that they're they're kind of limiting it to people whose natural death is foreseeable. They're more comfortable doing it in those settings. And, you know, they expect to have even fewer doctors willing to provide MAID when it's further expanded out to people with, you know, whose sole underlying condition is a mental illness because although psychiatrists might be the ones ultimately who determine, you know, who qualifies for this, it's going to be up to the providers. The doctors, willing to provide the lethal drugs to get these people access to MAID. So, you know, there's a lot of trepidation among physicians about, you know, how comfortable they're going to be when we further expand it out to that, to that population.
0: So as, as you mentioned the, the plan was to expand made to people whose sole diagnosis was a mental illness in this coming March in 2023, has the tide turned on that expansion? I know the government is, is looking at delaying it, you know, where are we at with that? And, and with that, if they were to expand the practice to, to others, you know, would there be, people willing to step up and be assessors of whether it's the right course of treatment for them or to have people provide it for them.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the Federal Justice Minister, Dave Lametti, just said, I think it was just last week, that, you know, the government is negotiating an extension to that March twenty twenty three deadline, you know, to sort of to make sure that, you know, all the I's are dotted and T's crossed and, and, and safeguards in place. Though so, you know, it's not clear what safeguards yet because you know, a whole lot of psychiatrists are worried that there aren't appropriate safeguards, you know, or really clear consensus on guidelines and, and how to make sure people meet whatever criteria are set out. You know, so it's not clear at all to me how long in an extension, you know, the government is seeking. Is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? You know, Lametti would only say they want to move quote prudently, and you know, that your question you raise about who's going to do these assessments, you know. Some have suggested, well, psychiatrists should be doing everything here and they should be doing the assessing and perhaps administering the need itself. But, you know, we don't expect oncologists to administer MAID when someone is dying of cancer. We don't expect neurosurgeons to do it. Um, but but we do, we will need psychiatrists to to be the assessors, right? To be ultimately the, the specialist to say, determine that this person is suffering from an you know, incurable or irremediable mental illness. And there's lots of debate over, over that. When can you ever declare something like a severe depression or a a, a disorder, a, a mental disorder as ultimately incurable?
0: I mean, and, and one of the things I've heard in relation to that is, is the fact that we're potentially offering death to people instead of treatment, Which, when it comes to mental health, we all know in Canada that access to mental health services is perhaps more challenging than access to medical services. So, I mean, what's the discussion around that piece of it among both providers and people who are worried about we're taking too cavalier an approach to this?
1: Well, you know, you're right. I mean, in the beginning, when MAID was about terminal cancer, right, for example, the person was essentially dying, there was less Moral distress there. Um, you know, with something like mental illness, it's not like you can point to a tumor, right? You, you can't see mental illness on a scan. So, so how do you know, as I mentioned, when it has become incurable? You know, how can you say with any certainty, this person won't ever get better? And we generally have really horrible access to mental health treatments in this country. I mean, it's getting better, but there are still huge gaps. You know, some people argue, well, We can't even get access to good mental health care, but yet we're going to determine that this person is now untreatable when, you know, how many treatments have they been offered, right? How many have they tried? So, you know, there's this worry that people will be provided made when they haven't had the opportunity to try every possible treatment available or at least treatments, you know, that they're willing to try.
0: We'll be right back. One of the other issues I've seen relating to MAID in the headlines in 2022 has been in relation to how it's being offered. We've seen stories about veterans being counseled toward MAID by a Veterans Affairs worker, which the federal government says is being investigated. And then there's a guidance document that was released suggesting doctors raise it before their patients do. Now, why are MAID providers suggesting that doctors enter it into that conversation first?
1: Yeah, that's a tricky one, right? They So the argument is that doctors should raise it when it's, the phrase I've come across, medically relevant, and the person is likely as eligible, you know, as part of, they see this as part of the informed consent process, right? Telling them, here are all the potential paths we can take. And, and there's, there's no law that says they can't. There's nothing in the legislation that says doctors can't be the first to raise it, provided, though, that, you know, the intent isn't to persuade or convince the person to request made. right? How it was explained to me by the MAID providers is that, you know, could be brought up when they're talking to people about goals of care, right? With a person who has a serious um, illness or disease, you know, what are your hopes? What are the things you'd want done? What are the things you would not want done? And, it, you know, is medically assisted death something you find morally abhorrent or is this something you would find acceptable? And, and would you like to talk about it? So it's sort of, they say we would raise it only in that context.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that, you know, you hear or you know, for someone like me who watches a lot of medical shows, there's always talk about, you know, what measures do you want to have taken for you to prolong your life? Do you want to do not resuscitate order? All of, all of these things, do you want heroic measures taken to, to, to bring you back? Should your heart stop? So, I'm curious, why is the position regarding MAID and and it being brought up by doctors seen as controversial?
1: Well, I think the concern is, you know, the, the power dynamics of the doctor patient relationship, you know, and some the worry that some people might be influenced to choose MAID. You know, one of my questions was, well, why do you need to bring it up? Because certainly everybody must know or be aware that MAID is. Is available today that it's legal. And the argument I heard was still well, not always, you know, we can't assume that people know, you know, everything about MAID and in what, under what circumstances would it be offered. But, you know, and, and the concern though is that some might think, you know, the doctor raises it in the context of a severe illness and the person might think, well, gee, I hadn't thought about that. But, but if the doctor thinks that, that might be the best thing or one of the options, you know, Maybe I should be doing it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought it up, right? And so when, when does raising it feel like it's actually being recommended? You know, and how do you, how do you make sure there's no undue influence? I mean, it's really tricky.
0: How does it compare to what is being done in other countries that, that allow this practice?
1: Well, you know, in most countries with euthanasia, it's absolutely legally prohibited. You know, doctors are just not allowed to bring it up first. The patient has to always always initiate the discussion. So again, we seem to be the outlier here. We seem to be much more permissive in a sense.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as, as if the, the topic wasn't controversial enough in Canada, the, the third rail for this debate seems to revolve around children. And you had a piece in the fall about parents seeking made for babies with severe birth defects, I mean, what kind of circumstances are we talking about here, and and where does the law sit with regard to kids, and could that even change?
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that piece came up when a member of Quebec's College of Physicians was testifying um, at this Joint House of Commons Committee that's studying made, and he suggested that it would be and should be appropriate to allow made for babies under one year you know in cases involving cases where the baby had you know a really grave malformation and their chances of living are basically as he said nil no. now he was talking about really really serious malformations like i mean babies born with parts of their brain missing for example who really do can suffer um at end of life but, but euthanasia is not legal in Canada for children at any age right and it raised a lot of controversy because again, even if you if you permitted it for this select group of children with these you know malformations with no hope of any kind of life, where could it go next? you know it's always that that slippery slope argument if we permit it for this strict group of children could we then find ourselves expanding it out to other children
0: you know after the controversies that have come up this year, do you feel that made as a practice will be as controversial as it has been in the coming year? Do you get a sense that there will be more debate around the mental illness provisions for this? And and could we still see a debate or even the government walk it back further?
1: I think the mental illness piece is going to be very controversial. And I think the further out we go with made, the more controversial it will be. Um, you know, we've got this joint parliamentary committee that's been looking at expanding made to mature minors. So, you know, kids um, under 18 who are deemed mature minors, and that's different in different provinces. And they're also looking at allowing people to make advanced requests for MAID so that they, you know, don't have to worry about not having the mental capacity to qualify for it, you know, in the event they one day develop, say, dementia um, or another illness that that leaves them mentally incapacitated. Um, that same, you know, the College of Physicians of Quebec has suggested maid should be approved for 14 to 17 year olds. They said it should be approved for seniors quote, tired of living. So you know, there are concerns, I think that made is being brought up to people also who who are really suffering socioeconomically, right? So people who can't pay the rent, people who are living with a disability who, who don't have access to the things they need and the care they need, you know, there's a concern almost that it's becoming almost this normal medical practice. Why is not what the Supreme court intended, right? When it struck down the law against made back in 2014 in, in Carter versus Canada, you know, right now we already have some of the most permissive euthanasia laws in the world. And, and I'm not sure how much more expansion of the law, you know, Canadians are, are willing or prepared to support,
0: and when it comes to the people who are providing made to Canadians who are seeking it, how do they feel about the possible expansion into all of these areas is 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 there concern on on their part are they do they feel that you know we already have enough of a backlog based on the cases we're allowed to offer service for that we can't take anymore? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I think it's going to be tricky because what we were already seeing. I think I mentioned at the beginning where when we expanded the law out to people who don't have whose death natural death isn't reasonably foreseeable. Those are called track two patients. So we have the track one where yes, death is reasonably foreseeable. Track two is not reasonably foreseeable. We already saw a lot of doctors not willing to take on those track two patients for those reasons we talked about earlier. It's just more morally distressing. And I'm being told that when we expand it out to need, there's going to be even fewer doctors who are going to be willing to go that far, to go to, to, to then be providing or assessing people whose sole uh, condition is, is a mental illness. So I, I think the further out we go, the providers themselves or are, are, are feeling more moral tensions over this than they perhaps would have been at the beginning.
0: Yeah, it certainly is a, a fraught subject and, and lots of debate to be had there. Sharon, thanks for your time. Okay, my pleasure, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Sharon Kirkey. More from her at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.